Welcome to Euphoria Season 3, Episode 6. I'm Dracos. This is Froskerin. She stole my pen. Oh, that's nice. And she's writing me nice notes now, so we'll take it. We're available on SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes, Spotify as well. If you're on YouTube, there are timestamps in the description. Just click Show More. We're joined today by Bwipo and Broxa. Hi, guys. We're going to give you a quick hi because I still have a lot of stuff to say, but it feels always weird not to, like, acknowledge you at least where you're just sitting on that side of the table. Um, Bet updates. Yamato Dinner and Karaoke. Still TBD. Surprisingly difficult to schedule. Apologies. We'll get it done. Frost Quick Chat Tattoo is a lie. Did you call him Quick Shot? Quick Chat and Frost. (laughs) My bad. Uh, Bet is alive and well because Origin turned out to be a pretty decent team. So if Origin win, uh, um, Frost yes. has to get a G- uh, tattoo. If G2 win, it's quick shot. Wonder 9-0. It was resolved because Wonder did go 9-0 but then tried to double down and immediately lost. Uh, we made him a nice video anyway that he can appreciate. Upset slash Norskaren pie to the face is going to happen soon. Did you have a shocks bet? No. And there's no shocks, but there was enough flame going on. I was going to say, you know, tense episode. So anyway, week four of LEC happened. Guys, mixed bag, I would say, uh, for Old Fanatic. How are you feeling after week four? How are you feeling, people? There you go. Pass it Mm. on. (laughs) How are you feeling? (laughs) Uh, Honestly, I feel like there was a glimpse of hope. I think against Splice, we showed some League of Legends. I don't think we can say the same for some of our other games. So, um... I think that's pretty good. I'm pretty happy about that. And uh, the game after that, I feel like we also showed that we still sometimes don't play League of Legends. So I think, honestly, if we just get that consistency going and get, um, I mean, we just all agree on what we want to do from the drafting perspective. I think that's what's most important because I think individually we can all agree that, you know, and I'm going to say that I'm going to say the buzzword, cast it in. <laughs> uh, I think we can individually all agree that it's a fine pick in that situation if we can play around it. If we can play around it. The uh, <laughs> I think that, uh, I'll be the Reddit analyst here. I think the pushback is is Blippo play around Cassidy. What does that even mean? You can't wait till level sixteen. The games are over by then. Well, quote unquote. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I don't disagree. You know, but <laughs> the whole idea, great Reddit impression. The whole idea of picking Cassidy. In any situation, competitively, is that he doesn't have to wait till 16, right? Like he wins mid 2v2 at level 6 or 7, or, you know, as soon as he gets a few points in that queue, and his double mage, generally speaking, level 7, 8, 9, is when he gets going. Like he can start fighting. And, and that's the idea, but you have to fight. And I feel like that's not something we were very good at um, ever, uh, this year at least. Uh, 2018, for example, we were much better at fighting around mid, but. Um, it just doesn't really happen, and it's also attributed to the fact that we're a little, bo- little bit more passive this year. But generally speaking, I think it's really important that if you pick a, cast- a champion like Cassidy, and you can't just rely on getting that priority, like that free priority, like Lissandra does. You know, she just mm-hmm. gets that free priority by being Lissandra, because if you walk up to her, well, you're going to get ulted. And you don't want to get ulted, because then you're going to die. So um, That's a really champion, sick, <laughs> sick breakdown of Lissandra right free there. free priority are really like, are considered to be overpowered, right? Because it's just... It's so easy to do stuff. But mm. when it gets harder to do stuff and you have to set it up and you have to like take those steps, I feel like that's where we're struggling a bit. But shouldn't the first step be winning? Because oh I totally... <laughs> what, <laughs> what is I, that? What can it... If okay. I don't ask yeah. the hard questions? Yeah. No. Um, 
And I also kind of want to get Broxo more in mm. this. Not that I don't love uh, your eloquence, <laughs> Whipwell. Because um, I totally understand. You know, you never yeah. want to just band-aid a composition by picking the easy thing. Because then when it com- push comes to shove, you need to be able to execute multiple strategies. Mm. But it seems like at this point that Fnatic should just be, take the easy route. Yeah. Just get the free lane priority and then focus on winning and then start expanding strategies. So is this a player issue? Is this a champion pool issue? Is mm. this a execution issue? Because I think Fnatic are all saying, you know, it's my fault, it's my fault, it's my fault. It's all evenly spread. <laughs> which, is, which is good. I like that people are rising up like, no, no, no. This one's on me, guys. Everyone's like <laughs> diving in front of the red laser. <laughs> it's teamwork. So well, from your perspective, Brock, so what do you, what do you think well, it is? I think the main problem generally in our drafts has been that often people don't really take the, take the role that the, the team needs them to mm-hmm. take. I think in that draft specifically, and Nemesis should have taken Delisandro or whichever other pick could actually do something a little earlier that is a little easier to play around than the Kassadin. Because while the Kassadin can be a really good pick, I don't feel like we've shown a, a level yet where you know, we can actually play with the Kassadin. Um, and especially with how poor our early games have been, uh, I feel like we should have picked something that can actually help us get to a point where early game is stable and then we can start playing mid-late properly. Um, and yeah, just generally, I don't necessarily think it's a champion pool issue or anything. It's just that I feel like last year we always had someone who would sacrifice for the team. Often it was Buibu or Soas <laughs> that you know went on tank duty, so we have someone sacrificing. So they would just chill in the top lane, be on the <laughs> island, and then I could freely play for mid two v two with Caps, and then later translate to bot. Whereas right now, especially when the team is struggling, um, no one's as willing to to give up that priority, and everyone kind of wants to. To be in a good situation. So yeah. um, for him in that situation, picking the Cassidy was where he knew he would be able to shine. Um, but at the same time in that situation, we didn't really need him to shine. We needed a more supportive mid lane or a pressure mid laner early. Mm. And I feel like that goes for a lot of our other drafts as well, where the easy fix would just have been for someone to take one for the team. Um, but uh, we don't have someone either telling them, you know, now you have to take one for the team, and then often players just pick whatever is best for them individually. Do you think that this is bleeding and hurting you? Because uh, I think it's really easy also for for fans to hone in that you look completely different. I mean, mm. we'll get to you in a second, Whip. <laughs> <laughs> you, Roxa. I mean, you yeah. went from playing like these god tier least since. I'm just going in over here. Yeah, okay. I was like, I was like, we could we could talk about other teams real quick if you want before we get into like the depth of the finale. <laughs> <laughs> he opened it. I saw my shot. Okay. Um, and now you just look compl- almost like a completely different player. Well, I think generally speaking, junglers often reflect how their team is doing. Um, and I think while I was a really, really good player at Worlds especially, uh, I also kind of reflected how well my team is and how well we communicated together. And I think this year um, our team play has been a really, really big issue and that makes it harder for me to play as a jungler both in early game, mid game to make the right decisions because as a jungler I need to base my decisions on so many things. Communication being a big big one, when can I play aggressive, when should I play back, when do I need to push out, when you know, when we can do all these sort of things and I think our team play has been, been really poor which has made it super difficult for me to um, have the confidence to, to go for those aggressive plays and um, to to be able to find the, the ganks when I need to find them, and that has kind of ended up with me playing a little more passive than I, than I should be playing for the mm-hmm. most part. And I don't know. I feel like it's it's a problem that is slowly getting better now. I think the past two weeks I've played much better than I I, I have in the first ones. 
Um, but yeah, it, it's not an easy fix, I think. And I, I hope it's something that we're just going to be able to fix with time. Because um, while I, you know, while I'm, I'm working my hardest to, to step up individually, I think it's just more of a team thing. And if you're a jungler and your team is a giant mess, then you can either, you know, kind of try to play a little back and, and make a bit safer decisions, which is what I have been doing, or you can just do what Kigis has been doing in the past and just YOLO it and hope for the best. Oh, this is, this is the perfect transition because I want to talk about some other teams before Kigis we dive is like, deeper into Fnatic. Pull out, <laughs> No, and like this is, this is at the core of the discussion, right? Like I think we really do want to talk about Fnatic today. But um, I do want to like go over a little bit about what's been happening in the league outside of Fnatic. And Rogue won a game this week. And Kikis was, I think we can say, a big part of that with some creative jungle picks. So, Broxa, on a, on a more positive note, I'm curious how you felt about Warrior, <laughs> Warrior Enchant, Electrocute, Poppy Jungle, and Pantheon. Is this, you talk about the Kikis approach, are these the kind of desperation picks that you think it, it takes to, to win games when you're at the bottom of the standings? Well, see, this is exactly the point that I was trying to make, and I feel like this has been just generally how Kikis has been... been enjoying to play the past year or two that um you know when a, when a team is struggling or when something goes wrong he just finds these crazy picks like during his whole career he has been known to pick these crazy cheese picks and do something that the enemy team doesn't expect him to and while i have been able to you know get some cheeses off and play really acro sometimes when i when i sh shouldn't as well and just catch people off guard uh last year that wasn't really how i was used to play mm. and i feel like that has been that has made it harder for me, at the very least, to you know play the style now. Because yeah. last year I just had to make make the right decisions. I had to, you know, just play a little smarter, play a little safer, and then usually we would be able to get those leads and just be a better team. Uh, this hasn't been the case now. Um, but yeah, I definitely think Kig is starting to pull out something like you know, Poppy is one thing, but Pantheon, <laughs> that's you know a really scary <laughs> one. Like that's a, a commitment. A, as a Lee Sin player, if I blind pick Lee Sin and I get Pantheon, then I'm, I'm I don't know if it's gonna work out for the Pantheon, but I'm gonna be really afraid, that's for sure. <laughs> but Bo, from your perspective, the rogue misfits game, I don't know if you gotta watch the whole thing, if you gotta catch just the highlights, but like what what is your thoughts on that entire situation? Both Rogue finding their first win, woo! Misfits losing to Rogue, Ooh. big yikes! Uh, <laughs> what did you think overall? Well, honestly, I feel like uh, one thing I want to discuss in terms of top lane situation is that um, I noticed that something. So I was doing the, the past few games, or has been doing the past few games, is picking Sion. Uh I know that the reason behind that is probably because it's it's a fine matchup, right? A lot of people are trading Sound for Urgot and just accepting that it's a more of a scaling matchup, but you have a really solid tank on the top side. But the thing is, is Sound really relies on jungle pressure in this matchup. So when your Lee Sin gets pantheoned, where is your jungle pressure? <laughs> ah, it's gone. <laughs> you don't have any, which is also why it didn't work in our game, right? I was picking the Sound into the Urgot and it didn't work because if Urgot doesn't have to be afraid of, of, of eing forward and getting cancelled, he can actually still salvage the trade, right? He can e forward, uh, get stunned, and he can still turn the trade around. So if there's no fear of the jungler, uh, Urgot will just almost always just keep pushing in Sound and making his life miserable. So. From that perspective, I feel like that's like a big deal, and I feel like the same happens in the lanes, uh, in the other lanes. In that sense, that if you sacrifice a matchup that is supposed to be fine with jungle pressure, and then don't get that fine out of it, you're just giving them a really strong champion. And if your other lanes don't pick up the like pick up the pace and, and and get the advantages from them getting their counter picks or the good champions or the good matchups or whatever, the game gets really tough really fast. Because honestly. This season, 
a 2,000 gold lead feels like 5,000. It's really hard to come back in any game. So if any of your lanes start bleeding, it keeps bleeding. And I think that's one of the big reasons, I think, that, that, that it was difficult and why um, Rogue ended up winning that game because I feel like the Urgot had a lot of agency. <laughs> you could do a lot of stuff on the map there uh, as well as just... I actually don't remember what the mid lane situation was. I think he, uh, Rise Sankos. Devin was doing pretty well actually. He entered the game like four and oh yeah, he was three zero. He was getting a lot of free kills uh, left and right. But yeah, it's just it's not like the game was was won. You know, like mm. it's, he was doing stuff, but all around the composition just didn't really work out. After the sound doesn't really get to be tanky because they needed some of that frontline beef. I feel and, and and if you don't get that good laning phase, I feel like it's going to be really tough to fight later on against Urgot because. He does have that 25% threshold mark, right? And if you drop under that, you're just dead. And the fight is pretty much over. It just snap. He'll either flash for your team or everyone has to back off and you give up a kill and you give up whatever neutral objective you were fighting for or turret. So in general, I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm focusing on that top lane matchup, but I actually think it's a really important matchup for a lot of drafts to work. Because if you're giving away the Urgot to pick the Sion into it, you need your Sion to be a beefy boy. Because if he's not, he's going to die really fast and every fight is going to just end okay. really fast. The, the key takeaway, though, that I've gotten here, which, which scares boy. me, <laughs> other than the nice line segue. beefy boy, which we're definitely going to use on air from now on when we describe Scion, is uh, Pantheon, not yeah. the worst pick in the world. That's like, I mean, it's just, it's just, like, it's so much level two pressure, right? You listen almost before the champ like in champ select he's like all right i'm not walking into river level two like i can't get any crabs like they're, they're just they're just not mine you know like i can't do anything about it and then you're just hoping this guy doesn't find you at your blue buff or something like because like that's the whole point right he wants to get in there and do stuff and uh, i feel like with aftershock specifically pantheon becomes a champion where it's not just he just drops down with his ult and then gets one shot no you can actually survive uh, a second and a half uh, sounds not that long but it's something um and, and and be more than just an ultimate stun bot yeah. in competitive play. So I feel like, honestly, it's not that bad of a pick at all, considering, guess what Camille was? Ooh, ultimate it stun bot. It was a champion <laughs> that would literally just take two crabs, run around pressuring the lanes, and then press R in a team fight and die. Like, that was, that was her purpose after a certain point, from the jungle perspective at least, because she didn't have enough gold to actually assassinate people unless she was really fed. And she would just end up building a GA and just try and stall as much time as possible when she ultimates in. So from that perspective, Pantheon doesn't sound all that bad, does it? Considering Camille was one of the best picks uh, in, right. in, in the jungle meta for, for quite a time Bro now. Broxa, do we get it? Is this, is this, has this moved up on your personal jungle tier list? Or are you considering Pantheon now? Because like my experience with Pantheon outside of this one Kickus game is like, Oh god, there's a Pantheon jungle. Guess I don't get to play League of Legends this game in solo queue. He's yeah, either I mean, gonna run it down or he's gonna be six kills up and he's gonna kill everyone on the map. I feel like how Lena's and junglers look at Pantheon is very different because how I see Pantheon is that if no one gives this guy kills, I'm gonna make his life very, very miserable. He's not gonna have fun. Yeah. Uh, and sure, I cannot contest him in Reaver level two, right? But you know, if I get a few levels, then I'm gonna turn this around really fast because I think this champion is like Camille in some ways, but at the same time, I feel like Camille just brought so much more pressure in, in a lot of ways than, than Pantheon did. So while Pantheon also beats most junglers in, in 1v1 like Camille did, mm. you know, this champion really is Pantheon, right? Like he doesn't have the greatest scaling. And I think at a certain point, like level five, six, if, if Lee Sin is actually in a decent position, then Lee Sin can still be more useful than Pantheon. Um, mm. But it's just about getting to that point and, um, 
being I think the jungler just basically needs to be kind of a, a babysitter and cheerleader for his lanes at that point, you know. Please play safe guys. It's gonna be okay. I will carry you. Just believe in me and play safe for a moment. <laughs> or or you can dive mid lane, fumble it, and then die to the Pantheon and it becomes a very different game very, very quickly. <laughs> that that's one way to go about it. <laughs> Well, regardless, uh, obviously, congrats to Rogue on finding the first win. Maybe this is the start of something greater. It looks like the roster shop works. I'm still skeptical about swapping Profit out, but Vander seems to be uh, an improvement for the team. The last part of this is that G2 lost a game this week to Origin. Pretty one-sided uh, game, I will say. Felt like the second Nuketuck got that first kill, the game was was pretty over. Um, from an outside perspective for you guys, when you watch that, like I heard... From from the origin side of things, from Deficio specifically, he's like, ah, oh, yeah, the second Zed was locked in. I knew we won this game. But, of course, he said that after they won the game. And it, I think no matter what they had picked there, like, oh, yeah, we picked Pantheon Jungle, and the second it was locked in, I knew we won the game. That was what Deficio was going to say, right? So I'm curious from your perspective, like, when you saw this initial draft, did you think that, that OG, OG would have the edge here? Uh, honestly, it reminds me a bit of uh, us in summer last year. Uh, when I was playing bot lane, it was just, we always get an advantage in draft, right? And at the end of the day, I think in competitive play, if you get an advantage in draft, you're advantaged going into the game. And if you can execute your draft plan, you're probably going to end up with a gold lead. And like I mentioned earlier, any amount of gold right now feels way more oppressive than it used to. Uh, so in that sense, I'm not surprised that once they don't get that drafting advantage and the draft is very much neutral, that the game looks a lot slower. Uh, I feel like the, the, the day before that uh, also showed signs of weakness, not in the sense that they played poorly in any means, just more like it took a lot longer than it did uh, the weeks before that. Against you the Misfits game. You're referring to G2? Uh, what, sorry? You're, You're referring, referring to the G2 game. G2. Yeah. yeah, yeah, G2 Misfits. Even the day before, uh, they, they smashed Misfits, right? But it took them a while, right? It wasn't just like 20 minutes and 35, 36 seconds? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't forget. Anyway. <laughs> I can't believe you um, brought it up yourself. <laughs> like, well, I wasn't going to bring it up. I, mean, I was going to spare no, it. No, no, no. no, no. Um, point being is that it did take them a while to end the game. And, and in that sense, you can see, you know, how special are they really um, is the question you have to ask yourself. And they're obviously really good. Don't get me wrong. And the drafting advantages they do get are substantial. However, if they don't get them, like I said, I've been there, right? I've been the guy that picks 17 champions, different champions in bot lane and gets gets a good draft no matter what you pick because I can always play bot, you know? Like, it didn't matter what f we picked first three. Two out of three champions, I could probably just play bot lane and we'd win the draft <laughs> off of it. So, um, with that in mind, I think it's a, a good precedent set for how to be G2 is really focusing on that draft and making sure you get those strong lanes because if they don't get that advantage, I wouldn't be surprised that they're going to drop a few games. I'm not going to say it's going to be easy to beat them or it's going to look clean or whatever, mm. uh, but it's going to it's going to get you there. And Excel, for example, already showed us that, but we kind of ignored it because it was just, oh, Caps killed everyone. <laughs> that was like what shot stood out from that game rather than, wait a minute, they drafted a really good comp and didn't fall extremely far behind. In fact, even got a little bit of a gold lead to a botched dive, I remember. So right there, you already saw, if you have a good composition against G2, they're not really immortal. Like you can just play with that in mind. That said, 
we did not get a good composition. <laughs> and they're still very good, obviously. <laughs> obviously, like even even if you do get a better draft, uh, that doesn't mean you're just going to win on the spot. They're still really good individually. There are certain teams that are just, uh, not stylistically, but have the capabilities to get a good draft. Because the scary thing about G2 is how many, mm. like the depth of their champion pool. Mm. So you look at a team like Rogue and even Excel, even though they did run a good yeah. composition, that you would think that, okay, these teams probably aren't positioned to have good drafts against mm. G2 because they wouldn't have the experience to have deep champion pools. Does, like, Fnatic have this opportunity? Does Shalka have this opportunity? Oh, uh, I mean, I think it's a combination of things. I think it's a combination of can you play the champion and are you going to? That's a question you have to ask yourself, and that's a question you have to ask yourself is, are they actually going to play this champion? Like, do they? I feel like that's what Spice kind of challenged me to do when they locked in blind cannon without setting it up with the Jace mm -hmm. ban, right? Is he actually going to play Jace? Like... I'm, I feel like they either said it doesn't matter, I'm fine in the lane, uh, which I'll get to soon enough because the I'm fine thing is a very much fanatic thing, uh, <laughs> this split. Um, but, you know, how fine is it if your cannon has to burn his ult every time Jace presses Q on him, right? So I feel like that's, at that point is, is an example of that is, do you actually think they'll pick it? And I feel like G2 as a team is a team that will pick it, no matter what. It doesn't matter what champion. If you think they can pick it, they will, if it's good. It doesn't matter if it's Yasuo, it doesn't matter if it's Rengar, like, you know, <laughs> it really doesn't matter. As long as it's good for the matchup, they will pick it. And I feel like Silas, for example, was a champion that everyone knew not to challenge G2 with in the sense of, are you actually going to pick Silas? Mm -hmm. Everyone knew they would, so they banned it. And did it go through that game? It went yeah, through it to Wonder. Wonder. Oh, yeah, Wonder played it. But um, he had a much better match, or not matchup, but he had a much better time on it than we've seen. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, obviously. I mean, honestly, I feel like um, Salas is pretty good in the laning phase. Uh, to, to quickly talk about him, I feel like he's a very oppressive champion. It reminds me of Irelia um, when she was really strong, mm -hmm. in the sense that you can't really contest the wave without feeling pressured in terms of, like, kill pressure. Like, the jungle can just walk in and almost kill you every every case because most champions have a, either a, a, an ultimate that sets up a kill, right? You, you imagine Urgot, which is why he's being played into Urgot. Is, there's so much kill pressure from stealing the ultimate, and he's so much... Like his gap closers are ridiculous. Like there's actually no counter play. His his E and W combined is 800 range, and they're point and click. I've heard that one of the bigger issues with Silas is his wave control because of how his passive yes, works. Yes, this is very don't. difficult. And I feel like once people explore that and and learn the discipline of not always using a move and then hitting the wave, uh, it'll be a bit. He'll look <laughs> a lot stronger because I feel like. When you play him, it feels you feel so powerful if you just push the wave and go poke the guy, right? But I feel like sometimes just playing a little slower and again tapping into that gank pressure he has because well, what do you do if he dashes forward, presses W, and then just waits with his E? Mm -hmm. Not much. I, you know, you're just hoping he misses it. I was actually scared that game too because the the wonderful Silas interaction with Zed Alt is you just get to keep the AD. They removed that. They, did they remove that? No, no, they removed the, the Zed. Oh, is that next patch? next patch? I guess it's next patch. Never mind. It's on PBE. But they're going to change some tweaks to Zed, I believe, soon enough. Yeah, yeah, the Zed, no, no, no. Yeah, the Zed changes there. didn't yeah, go yeah, through. Okay, not the, the shadow yeah. range and the, the yeah, 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 yeah. buff damage. The, the, Although I'm worried for the, the, that The old AD is coming. Okay, yeah, yeah, it's still, the ult AD is still there, so you can actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. actually going to keep it. So if you steal like 30 AD as Silas, you're just going to keep it indefinitely. It doesn't stack, right? Like it's a single passive. So if you steal Death again and use it, right, it can get slightly stronger. But it just stays. You can steal any ult you want, nice. you keep your 30 Works with Trogat's ult as well. Works with Trogat's ult. Do you feel that... Sorry. No, Wealth of information. <laughs> uh, do you think that Silas... Because I feel like a, a bigger issue is while his 1v1, especially against Urgot, is nice because mm. of how the matchups work, the ultimate, you talked about that. Yeah. But as the game scales on, 
Um, Silas, do you think that he can team fight as well as Urgot? Do you think he hyperscales well enough into a side oh, lane? Hmm. Like, how do you think he actually fares like post twenty minutes as a viable champion if the enemy team doesn't have like good ultimates to steal? Uh, honestly, I feel like at some point you're stealing too many ults anyway, and mm. unless they're all useless, uh, you're gonna get value. But it's just uh, it feels like a Pike type of thing. Um, and the reason why I champion? bring up Pike is it feels like a champion where if you pop off on the champion, it looks the mo like the most disgusting thing in the game because you're going to steal ult after ult, but in the same way, you have to be so so passive, so slow, so controlled as a team, and that's much more difficult, right? Because, like, how much value do you get if, if Silas starts stealing ult one, and then nine seconds later, ult two, and then throws ult after ult, but at the end of the day, you can steal two ults in, in, in 10 seconds, but that's still 10 seconds. A team fight late game does not last 10 seconds. So the, the speed at which you have to play is so much slower, and it's much with, like with Pike, where he wants to hit the hook, wait, chunk the guy, the guy flashes out or whatever, hit the next hook, chunk the guy, whatever, and then when his moment hits, he starts chopping everybody up one by one and he gets that pentakill that everyone dreams love, of. <laughs> exactly, dreams to get. But that doesn't really happen. But what does happen is that he gets those hooks, right? He gets hook after hook after hook. And it's hard to dodge when you're clumped up and you're trying to team fight. But the thing is that the discipline you need to actually execute Pike in a 5v5 as a team to never just commit and wait until your Pike commits is really hard. Like you can't, like it's so hard to just wait because if you think the fight is good, you're going to go. But that, in that moment is when Silas is going to turn useless really fast. Because when he does commit, he actually doesn't deal enough damage to, to just burst someone. Mm -hmm. But his cooldowns are too long to stay in the fight as well. So in that sense, I think he's a hyperscaling champion, even if their ultimates aren't great because you're getting so many. But how reliable is it? Like, how can you actually, like, yeah. like how team fighting around it, how reliable is team fighting around it actually going to be? Like, if you get that one key ult, like, for example, you know, the easy, the, the easy target, you pick Karthus out, and you're like, oh, thanks. You know, like, no problem, you know? Or, like, you get a zillion ult, you're like, oh, thanks. You know, like, <laughs> no problem. Like, zillion especially buys you that time as well. Mm -hmm. So not only do you get to steal the zillion ultimate and use it, it buys you time to get the next ult. So what I want to tell you is that post 20 minutes, well, he's a champion, kind of, until 16, and then he turns into kind of a champion again. <laughs> it's just all dependent on how you use the ultimate, which is what makes him interesting, right? So just either people need to find a way to make his three moves that he has right now like more effective, because I do think there's a few ways to animation cancel on the champion that will increase his burst significantly and make him a lot more scary as a burst mage. But in the same vein, if you're building him as a burst mage, you're just praying to God you're getting that guy out of the fight and, mm -hmm. and you're just looking at uh, similar champions like Diana, mm -hmm. right? Yep. Like you just mm. pray to God you get the guy in one hit and if you miss your move, playing four versus five. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's brutal. Um, well, shifting our attention back to you, Fnatic, thank you for the Silas breakdown, by the way, because mm. this is a pick that I think we've kind of been like wanting all the time to be good <laughs> and every time we see it, it's so underwhelming. Like Because mm. you're right, the, in theory, it's so cool, but it's just it hasn't really shown up on stage in the way that... I think a lot of people, uh, me especially, expected it to. But shifting attention back to to Fnatic, um, Broxy, you touched a little bit earlier about like why it's kind of hard to look good when your team is struggling. But I'm curious when you look at Fnatic right now, mm. like where do you see yourself? Your uh, in terms of like fixing the problems you have now, because it seems like you guys are very good at addressing what the issue is. It seems like you guys are very good at identifying it. Do you have kind of a game plan for like what you need to do to take those steps to improve as a team so that you can start locking down these wins? Well, I feel like at this point we've been trying a lot of different band-aid fixes uh, as well as, you know, just trying to pinpoint the different core issues and just go, you know, actually go fully at it and, and try to sort it out and, and come to a conclusion. Um, I feel like in the beginning what I believed was actually it was more about 
more of a mentality thing, like thinking that we were better than we actually were um, and not taking in, into consideration that we actually had a longer holiday than most of the other teams. Most teams scrimmed in December and we started at, at the start of January. So in that sense, we were a little behind with the, the meta and even from a mechanical and, and get, you know, strategy point of view, I feel like. Um, but then, you know, along the way, we've been having so many in-game issues as, as well, early game being the main one, um, people not being willing enough to sacrifice. I think that goes for, for literally everyone. Like, there's been at least a game where, you know, each person hasn't been willing to sacrifice for the team. And um, I, I just feel like we've been having so many, many different issues that has been, you know, we've been having a, a hard time, you know, actually fixing them because once we fix one issue, a new one would occur. And I think the, the main one uh, recently has been early game, which I feel like we've already improved on, on this week. It has gone a lot better. Um, and while against SK, we, we got the lead, we should have used the lead better. You know, at least we had the lead, at least the game wasn't lost at, at five minutes, which has been the case a few times before, especially against uh, G2 and Misfits, where we barely got to play the game after after two minutes into it. Um, but yeah, like I just think gen generally outside the game as well, we've been trying a lot of a lot of different things to get back on track. We've been now recently we've had a sports psychologist come in to you know watch what we're doing, what are the coaches doing, what are the players doing, what can each person do differently to try to be more helpful for the team. And we've been having a lot of different rules that has even kept changing throughout the split because we've been trying so many things to, to make things work and figure out what, what exactly we need. Um, we need to be back on track. And This sounds insanely hard. Like, like I, I understand, like, um, the idea of fixing one issue at a time, and mm. I think that, like, that feels very simple to me. I feel like it's a draft issue or if it's an early game issue. But, like, this all compounding together sounds just like really exhausting and really stressful. Because obviously you're fanatic too, right? And in the same way that like TSM rosters inevitably mm. get a ton of hate, I think you guys always are like on that pedestal. Reckless has talked about it before where like no matter what you're doing, no matter where you are in the standing, more people are watching you. And so do you do you feel like you're in a comfortable spot right now? Or does this feel just like a, a ton of pressure on you to try to fix all these issues mm. as they're coming in on top of a sports psychologist trying to help, on top of public pressure, on top of everything else? I have a mixed feeling about it and the way I've been feeling the wall split is, is kind of weird actually because I've always had the feeling that we would be able to contest the best teams in the league. Like if we, we actually have a good day, I think we can beat anyone. We would even be able to destroy anyone. But often there's just something going fundamentally wrong early in the game or even later in the game and we never really get to that point. And I know it's just a bit messy, and as you're saying, it's it's really it has been really exhausting and draining for for all of us the past weeks. I think because um, we each have some individual things we need to work on, and then we have a lot of team-based things we need to work on, and everyone's putting in that much extra work, um, and then you know we just get into sort of sort of an evil circle. I think like an endless circle of constantly trying to fix things all the time, yeah. and then it just gets really tiring. And I think that's something that especially now we're going to have to be really careful about that we don't actually burn ourselves out entirely by just grinding so hard but actually um you know keeping in mind we're humans as well and that you know just taking it a, a little slower um but then again we don't have time for that anymore um, yeah. the next two weeks are going to decide if we are if we're going to go to playoffs or not and if we go oh two this upcoming weekend the, the chances of making it is very very low um, so I, I think it's a pretty tricky spot, Wayne, and while 
I could sit here and, and pinpoint a bunch of our issues. Um, yeah. They're just kind of kind of adding up, right? And um, we are we're fighting against time now to try to figure out which issues are most important to fix and what we need to to do as a team in order to um, you know start not necessarily being better than the top teams already, but at least grabbing some wins against them. So yeah. we're still in the race. I mean, just and once again, I, it reminds me briefly in your time of, of struggle that when I was like, oh man, fanatic not winning a fan vote one day in a tweet, there were like eight people who jumped into my mentions who were like, it's the bandwagoners, like the fanatic faithful are still here. We still love them. We still support them every day. So while there is also a ton of haters out there, at least I'm glad that there are at least still some people in the community who are like rallying behind you guys and trying to support you even in this uh, difficult spot on the subject of time off because it does feel more and more important with all this pressure. Whippo, are you, are you guys actually like, you, I know you, you, most teams take one day off a week usually, maybe it's two days off this year, I'm not sure what the schedule is, but are, are you guys actually taking the full day off or are all you guys just grinding, hardcore grinding solo queue? <laughs> I mean, hardcore grind, grinding solo queue has always been a thing on Sunday for Fnatic, so it's not really different in that sense, mm -hmm. but I don't feel like grinding solo queue is the same as actually scrimming. Uh, I think the biggest thing has changed is that even on Sundays, people are still trying to find what we can fix about the issues. And my take on the issues is much simpler than that, is I feel like I think there's always going to be a balance between what the coach thinks a player should pick and the freedom the player gets to pick the champion, right? And so far, I haven't necessarily disagreed with, with when the coaches give the freedom to the champion of choice. It's just more of a matter of, I think the player needs to realize, can we actually execute this? For example, I'm not going to... I'm not gonna pick like, I don't know. I don't even know how to, like I don't even think, I can't even think of a random champion, but like a random champion that's really hard to execute, but can be really overpowered. I think there's always been champions like that. Like for example, Camille Jungle last year was very much this. If you can execute it, it's a really powerful champion. But um, if you can't, is it actually worth picking this champion? Mm. And I feel like that's kind of the, the question you have to ask yourself uh, when I bring up the buzzword once more, Cassidy. Uh, can we actually execute this champion? And I agree it's good in this situation, and I agree we should be able to, but can we? And even if we can, are we going to? These are still questions you have to ask yourself when you pick these champions, right? And I feel like when you're um, more of a rookie, and, and, and Nemesis is, right, you, you kind of have that confidence that you can and that we will, because, you know, you, you always put your team on a, like, on a pedestal. You always put them higher than they are. I don't know if he did that, but I know I did. So, you know, if we were going for like a crazier pick last year, I felt like we were always going to pull it off because I saw my team in a better light than maybe they actually were. Um, and, and that's just the faith you have, right? When, when you're coming into a team and, and you're confident that all, all the players on your team are really good. And I'm not sure if that's the case for him, but it was for me when I like, when I got, when it was like, oh, can I pick Vayne here? Or can I pick Wukong? <laughs> or like, are we going to pick Wukong here? Uh, you know, for me, it was, it was like, hell yeah, do it, 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 do it. You know, I like, I'm, I'm just adding rocks. I'm just stoking like, like, the fire, you know. The person on the team, like, like does this actually do win it, us do the it. game? Well, I actually wasn't. I still remember. I, I've often seen the, the picture of Huli's face when he said it pop, like, oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, you know, still to this day, Huli says he always supported the pick, but I still remember him, the picture of that oh. face. Like, it, it tells me something else. <laughs> Hindsight like. is from 20. Of course, of course, I always supported Cash playing V. No, I mean, I Actually, I think Hilly is one of those people. I actually yeah. think he, he did always support it. Uh, I mean, he was the f one of the first people to actually mention it in Jump Select. Um, but the thing was is that uh, he explains that he was looking at Dylan to try and get Dylan's approval. Uh, that's what he explains it as. Uh. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, what I'm trying to say with that is that it's just like, if he feels confident that we can as a team, I have no reason to doubt that.
And if we come off stage and it wasn't the case, then fair enough. But, you know, like you said, at some point, the priority is winning, right? And you have to ask yourself is maybe, you know, next time we should just pick the Lissandra there or pick whatever. And I feel like after the first game of Kassadin, we probably should have realized that. But in the same vein, um, I can't really blame anyone for giving it another shot. Yeah. Um, it's, again, player's responsibility to recognize the situation where you're just like, okay, if we four-pick Lissandra here, for example, we have Brom, Tristana, Urgo, Lissandra. Are we really going to lose this game? Probably not. <laughs> you know, like, like at some point, it, it, it sounds stupid, you know, but at some point, at least this was 2018 in a nutshell for me, you know, it's like after, <laughs> after you saw Sejuani, Brom, Tristana, you're like, are we really going to lose this game if I pick a tank? Yeah, that 20 CS enemy top laner, you can have it. I'll take the victory. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, so uh, just, just lock an Orn and see what happens. You know, like, oh, you pick a Lawi, that's really cute. Or, you know, or like whatever champion you want to pick, oh, it's really cute. You're going to be 20 or 40 CS up on me. That's really cute. It's almost as if it may, it'll make a difference. Oh, wait, it won't. Uh. So, like, at that point, uh, no offense to anybody, right? And, and Nemesis just specifically that he didn't go for the for that pick hmm. but even in the draft we knew we were going to pick jungle on four and then mid on five and regardless it didn't have to be Lissandra it could have been another simple mid lane pick that you could have used on five instead you could have counter picked Syndra with something simpler or like not counter pick but you picked a neutral matchup where you can have more priority and do more stuff from the mid lane perspective but I feel like this is something that I actually want to talk about uh, about 2018 Fnatic that not a lot hmm. of people realized is that honestly Oh, preach Whippo. Here we our go. Lanes, go in. Whippo goes our in. lanes were way, way, way too good at winning or going even in lanes. We had no business winning or going even in. It was just that. Easy. You're talking domestically or internationally? Sometimes both. I think at Worlds we showed even internationally until we played IG in the finals. <laughs> Then we'll put suddenly, an every time you say anything, stopped. except for that IG final, because yeah, yeah, yeah. otherwise someone just yeah, put yeah. It in but that's what I'm saying. You. Like for example, like <laughs> Victor and the Echo, right? I'm not supposed to win that. I did, right? Um, Brom Tristana. I think uh, I can point out at any point, any tournament, we probably played Brom Tristana at some point uh, in in the tournament or in, or in the split. Uh, that's not a very solid lane, two versus two. I imagine at least, you know. Um, of course, I have to doubt because somehow, some way, the combination of champions pulls out the leads somewhere but um at least from what i understand those champions separately aren't exactly very strong in the laning phase so adding them together surely makes sense that it's not very strong um but that being said is that we were really good at this and i feel like this year it's a combination of people catching up to us uh individually as well as we're dropping the ball on that too like we're not playing those lanes as well as we used to uh, at least individually and I think that comes from the fact that the drafts are usually harder to play because we always had a very, very set rule for drafting. Is like, we have to get pressure somewhere. Last year, it was very simple. We Pick had a no champion, choice. We had, no, no, not even. <laughs> we didn't have a choice. Caps wouldn't. He would refuse not to. So we had to let him do it. Because if he didn't, yeah, things happened. Basically, you know, it's just he forced us to have that pressure point from mid lane. And then obviously it was much easier for Broxa um, to always have the same pressure point. And then the, the side laners, their job was set. You know, you pick your champion, you go even, 
and we'll see what happens from there. And sometimes if we couldn't win mid 2v2, it became really difficult in our games and other lanes would bleed out or whatever. But it was our identity, is your top laner and your bot laner, whether it was me or Soaz or me or Reckless even in the bot lane at some point, would just do this. So you guys now just trying to move your PowerPoint around? Because what I'm hearing is yeah. last year we had to have mid priority because our mid laner forced us to do it. Yeah. This time around, are you guys saying like, okay, this game we'll try to get top priority, we'll try to get mid priority. No, it's we'll just more like, bot priority. I mean, it's more like uh, when we're supposed to, we don't because uh, we don't recognize it because it's not something that we're actually capable of recognizing because you're so used to like always having it somewhere, right? And like, for example, in that game, I feel like, uh, again, in, in the Kassadin game, uh, I'm going to keep bringing this one up because it's the easiest example, right? That game would go much more smoothly if you did have mid-pressure, right? So are you saying that this is an issue where you guys are have a new team makeup and someone needs to relearn the responsibility to say in Champions, like, I'm going to get priority and we're going to play around this yeah. pressure well, point? Uh, <laughs> someone has to do it. Yeah, I think, you know, generally looking at how our team has been playing, um, Caps leaving the team, the main issue coming from that is that we're not being aggressive enough and that we're playing too passive as a team. Because last year, how it would be, for me personally, playing with Caps, you know, if something didn't happen, then we were going to be like, okay, you know, guys, we don't have priority anywhere, we're going to have to make something happen. So we're going to brute force mid 2v2, and if they come and fight us, we're going to outplay them which was literally our game plan, even at Worlds, where against EG and IG specifically, this was really hard because they were really good players and it didn't always work, but um, it was a way for us to, at the very least, you know, get this priority. And if we didn't have a winning mid-matchup, then we would make it a winning mid-matchup. Whereas now, um, especially with how our bot lane has been playing, like looking at the, the last years, it's been more of like scaling matchups, more passive matchups. Last year, we often had top lane on, on tank duty. Mm -hmm. So the aggression would come from mid lane. But right now, we sometimes end up in situations where we don't have pressure anywhere. Um, meaning that, you know, I think against G2, it happened, for example, where all our lanes got pushed in. And even though I'm playing Leeson, you know, it's really hard for me to do anything because like these guys have pushed everywhere and they're going to abuse me. Um, and I feel like this is something we have been too slow at recognizing. Uh, for example, I remember when we played Misfits, it happened the first time where Day 11-1 invaded me. Uh, that was the sack Kassadin game, so you know that's a pretty prime example of something you should never ever do. Like, you can't pick Sack and Kassadin, that, that's like the worst early Mitsubi 2 I can even imagine. Um, and then, rather than recognizing this and making sure that in the future we're gonna draft a bit more early game style, we're gonna actually have priority and make sure our early game flow is gonna be better. We end up in a situation against G2 where they have free pushing lanes and at the same time, again, they have Olaf and DAs. So we should know already from draft they're gonna invade our top side, do the same thing Misfits did, but we're just too slow at recognizing it. So well, the draft is one thing, but then you know us as players also need to be, be quicker at recognizing what the enemies are gonna do and how, how we can um, counter this. And right now we just need to find some sort of identity to work as a team or a style where we're going to have priority somewhere and we can find someone or something to play around to free me up and give me more freedom in the early game, which can then later help the team uh, get their turret plates, do whatever, you know, get objectives and then everyone's going to be happy. But Are I you taking suggestions? <laughs> <laughs> I actually want to add something onto that. Renekton Elise, that's, that's what I'm saying. Can't this guy! <laughs> I actually need to add something onto that in the sense that, uh, you know, anybody that's actually been paying attention will be like, 
So why is it then when you do draft the lanes that get priority? You mean like when you priority pick Lucian twice, ah, but lose bottom? See, someone paying attention. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're skipping steps. We do have the Lucian, we do have the pressure, but we're not involving our mid laner. Or we weren't. And obviously that's a big problem. And I feel like that was the reason why the Lucian pick looked as bad as it did. Did he play Cassiopeia in that first Lucian game? I'm actually not sure. I don't think so. It was really OP, so probably people banned it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure what he played. and Lucian in the same draft. I'd be pretty yeah. surprised. There's then been some wonky drafts. We, we, we would be really smurfing if we got Lucian uh, Cassio uh, in that first week, uh, the first two weeks. But that's the general idea, right? Is that we were skipping those steps of getting mid pile, bringing him to bot lane, getting the vision, blah, blah, blah. We weren't, I mean, not necessarily skipping the steps. We just never had to do them. And that's, I think, something that, uh, like, this is like something that it, it just all makes sense now, right? Like, why caps left, blah, blah, blah. It's because we always skip these steps, because we always got away with it. And now all of a sudden you realize that we'll have to play League of Legends like everybody else does? Wow. <laughs> That's kind of hard. It's not, but, um, <laughs> but you know, it's just the steps you have to take. And I feel like we're bad at this. We're really bad at this. For example, with Cassidy, you have to take one step extra, right? You have to be there mid and fight. And none of us were there. Broxa wasn't there, I wasn't there, no one was there. Even if we had priority, we weren't investing that, transferring over the pressure, getting that lane priority. I do believe there was a segment that uh, you guys brought out. It was videos? Level up. Level up, there you go. I was just about to plug that YouTube. There you go, Uh, I did see that, and that's a good example, right? And it's just just so much more than that, because you can say, oh, I'm gonna pick X champion that will have lane priority here and be fine and dandy with that. But there's a level of gameplay where you know, you can pick a champion that's not supposed to get lane priority and then give him it, and all of a sudden, this champion becomes really oppressive. Cassidy being the perfect example. This champion is ridiculously oppressive if he has lane priority because he's going to run around. And when Cassidy runs around, he's fast. Okay, Broxa. We're going to put Nemesis on Syndra because you can blind pick it pretty easily. <laughs> then you're going to play a level six jungler like Lee Sin or something. If he plays an AD top, you're going to play a Lease and you're just going to camp topside. Reckless Hilly, do whatever they want. I don't care what it is. No more like triple teleport at three minutes in the game <laughs> to dig bottom out. I liked it. Okay. If, if this comes, plan. by the way, just okay, no matter okay. what happens in scrims today, if you do this at all, she will claim soul credit. So. It doesn't matter. They've please, already I, been doing it. I almost it. want you not to do that. Just like, even if it's going to happen coincidentally, please be like, we're doing that. We did this not because of Frost Garin. Just give uh, me that tweet. I just have a follow-up question. So if we play the style this weekend, are you going to predict us to win all two games? Yes. <laughs> if you promise <laughs> me that you'll do it, okay, I will no. say yes. So you're telling me that if I'm playing a champion like Renekton, I'm going to carry the game if I get ahead? Uh, yeah, because I believe that you're the best top winner in Europe. Really? Oh, oh my God. Someone still has hope. <laughs> no, I mean, it's No, surprising. please play Jace. I mean, I actually want to comment on that because I do feel like it's something that's kind of tough because I feel like... Playing Jace or picking Jace freely? Oh, no, no. I mean, don't get me wrong. Because I've seen Jace some every- Western Jaces. Yeah, I mean, I think Jace is, is a champion where it's it's, it's very much... Um, I, I, he has clear counters. I think that mm-hmm. it's really easy to counter Jace in the sense that anything that can lane against him and doesn't just straight up lose, like get smashed and has gang pressure is pretty scary for Jace, right? I think there's a few champions that come to mind uh, I picked Orn because it's the same thing. You can pretty safely farm up. Um, you know, the reason why I lost the line as hard as I did is, is I actually lost experience because the level one. So I was down a level. It was really hard. Like that's when it gets really hard. But the idea is there, right? You have the gang pressure. You, you don't necessarily get smashed. You can farm up safely. And any champion that can do this against Jace, which are a few, I think, can be pretty good against him. But in the same vein, he has that constant. 
of it doesn't matter what champion you pick, levels one till seven, you are not pushing this champion in unless he's letting you. He will not give in. He is so strong. And that's why you can pick him in every draft. But the question is, is are you going to get value past that point? And honestly, uh, why I'm surprised that you say that is because that constant, I actually didn't have that in the one game I did play Jace. I didn't have that constant pressure pre like around level seven. Later stages of the game, I suddenly started winning, but that's because he was really trolling. Um, <laughs> yeah, that sorry was a, to say. That was not a weird o- game. Not only did he give game, us yeah. a lot of freebies, he also refused to build armor, which made no sense to me um, because it was the only way he was going to lose sideline um, if he just refused to build armor. So, you know, maybe I shouldn't throw him under the bus like that, but I feel like... All I have to say is that, like, Zanya's is a pretty clear cannon item. That's all yeah, I was It's, like, I it's mean, not it's like good. this guy has to go outside of his build yeah, path yeah. to yeah, pick it's up just, his it's just, you know, like, that's why I'm surprised, is because I do feel like that's one of the things that a lot of people are paying attention to, mm-hmm. right, early game, and I feel like there's a lot of things people have issue with with me, and uh, even I myself have an issue with my early game sometimes. So don't get me wrong, but um, I feel like there's more to the game than that, and I, and I think... I just want to appreciate that someone can look a little bit deeper than that, <laughs> than just, he's zero one zero on the scoreboard. This guy must be awful at the game. Vedias and I get in fights all the time about this, specifically about you. Uh, I will pay you the compliment because I think Fnatic definitely need the, the boost right now. But <laughs> Thank you. watching you and Fnatic play in general, even when it goes wrong, it's very clear that you guys understand when it went wrong. And... Mm. Uh, I do listen to your guys' comms sometimes, and it's just, oh. uh, <laughs> I'm like, yep, they know. It's fine. And yeah. I think that's when you, you have to be able to distinguish like who is a bad team and who is a team that mis-executed on the day, or in your guys' case, have mis-executed for five weeks. <laughs> Can't pull all of the punches, but yeah. it's yeah. also why I'll continue to have faith that Fnatic will pull mm. it up eventually. You guys have been, and also we've talked about this before, you built up a lot of credibilities over the years as an organization, so I think that you've, you've earned yourself a, a rough first half of a season here and there you know we all remember the spirit reckless gin days like there have been struggle points for Fnatic wow. in the past <laughs> <laughs> no comment on that one <laughs> but I mean what's funny is that 2018 had those struggle points too it was just it was hidden you know mm. people didn't see it because I mean when the scoreboard win. looks good you just don't there's no yeah but can't, that's, that's just if you're that's, beating someone you have no weaknesses but that's dude. what you realize now right is that all those issues that did come up in 2018 either got brushed under the rug somehow because it just fixed itself or the band-aid fix just it looked like it wasn't an issue when in reality it really is i think there are so many instances where teams learn the wrong lesson because you can get away with so much when you do have certain elements and then you keep doing it until that is removed and then suddenly it's like i actually feel like in in some ways we were last year a little like g2 in some ways because i think g2 now are just winning the games of basically outplaying people individually and being, being so good individually. And many of the issues we had last year, as we were said, we just found some quick band-aid fixes and then mm-hmm. we started outplaying people individually and, and just winning the games in that sense rather than playing really good macro. Like obviously our macro was good at times, but it could definitely be improved and we, we didn't use our leads as well as we should, which is also the case now because we never really learn to do that properly last year for example when we when we do have these Lucian matchups often in the games we wouldn't we wouldn't use it to actually help our mid jungle or to help our top lane or, or to help our team we would we would just play purely for the 2v2 rather than you know translating this to the other players and then get something back later and this often has been the case when we it hasn't happened much to split but you know when we did have those winning matchups and things were going the right way then we just haven't been haven't been translating properly um 
And I think, you know, the same thing can be, be said for G2. Like, while they have been really, really good, I don't feel like their team play is the greatest in the world. They're just so good individually and often outplay teams by just, you know, smashing them in skirmishes or one v one or whatever. It's weird. They lost mid-priority and then suddenly they struggled a lot more in that game. A lot uh, of little things went wrong in that game. Mid-priority overpowered? Anyone? <laughs> Anyone? Too strong. Why is this lane in the middle of the map? Can someone move it? Like <laughs> Mid-priority mid is, is, is disgusting. Like, yeah. if you... if you Like, the thing is, is that um, I want to point this out and it's one of the reasons why we, we struggle is like I said we skip steps we don't get the mid priority the way we're supposed to and we're not setting up a way where we can get it when we're supposed to which is why a champion like Lissandra looks so oppressive right it looks so strong is because she just gets it she does it all yeah she, I mean, she gets it on her own and I think that's a really big deal and I think that that's what makes her so strong Syndra comes to mind um, <clears throat> Cassiopeia came to mind right these are all champions that get mid priority because of how much kill pressure they have if you do walk up to them so not walking up feels natural, but setting up a way where you can get mid-priority makes these champions look really useless, right? Mm -hmm. But it's just uh, a way of playing the game that is very difficult, and not everyone is capable of doing it, and we're one of the teams that actually struggle with this. Um, and no matter what champion we play mid, uh, if, if we don't actually have that free priority, I feel like this is something we've been focusing on a lot, on getting, and I feel like if we do that, it's not going to be the team that uh, five weeks in a row couldn't execute. It's going to be a team that will execute uh, because mid-priority dictates the game. If you have mid-priority, you can go where you want. If you can go where you want, you can take what you want. So, mid-priority. Mid-priority. <laughs> That's why the segment is interesting, right? Because it's a focus on that. I've got a name and, for the and episode. That's why the Lucian, yes. the Lucian pick didn't work out for Fnatic in the first few weeks because we were really bad at doing it. Mm. And we also didn't have priority on champions like Lissandra because there was a disagreement in the sense that uh, I feel like Nemesis had the idea of, look, if we do it like this and this, you can get mid-power off of Lissandra and I'll be much stronger with the counter pick, whether it be the Kassadin or whether it be... Uh, Is he trying to find it via trades? Well, um, just It's a way of doing it, like, of course, but it's just... For example, Zoe is, is a very solid answer to Lissandra, right? And, mm -hmm. and she can do it on her own. She can force the mid-priority off of Lissandra by messing her up, but still you have to smurf, right? Yep. And, 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 yeah. it's not a, and, and if you have to like be really good and outplay someone to, to get mid-priority off of them when they're supposed to have it, I feel like you're kind of cheating the system. And well, I feel like I cheated the system all of 2018 when I was playing top lane and I got top priority on champions like Ornn and would just run mid, for example. And that, I feel like that's the cheating the system way of playing hasn't worked out at all in 2019 because you were never supposed to cheat the system. Yeah, <laughs> but we got away with it so often that it didn't look like an issue mm. when it really was. As a, as a final question <clears throat> to round this out, uh, the number one question I think on a lot of people's minds is: Is Fnatic going to make playoffs? Now it sounds like <laughs> there are struggles. It sounds like it is difficult for the team. But maybe can we can we get like a rousing speech from 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 you guys combined about like yes <clears throat> or or you know or just. Maybe that's the honest truth. Maybe you guys are like, we figured it out now or somewhere in the middle. Also, how are you feeling about it? I do want to say this because um, I think it, there's so much pressure to answer this question with like an obvious <laughs> yes from the community. But I do want to kind of put out the other side that, you know, after a long break and you guys didn't really get one because you played all of World. So you took an extended break, it sounds like on the back half. Um, it feels like teams relearn everything in spring or have to relearn a lot mm -hmm. of shit in spring. Mm -hmm. And if the long haul is always looking summer, I do want to remind the community that missing playoffs in spring is okay. <laughs> Summer's usually where a lot of teams try to go for it. 
I feel like this, you know, this question is is really hard to answer because while I do, I wish I could just say yes, of course we're gonna get to playoffs. Um, I think everyone on Fnatic right now has you know this thought in the back of their mind, like what if we, what if we don't make it? What if think, things go south? What if even if we have a, have a good week of scrims and we get rid of most of our issues and we actually have some really, really good team play, then, you know, we just end up having some poor games on stage and we go 0-2 and, and the dream is that, like, <laughs> no one no one really knows what, what's going what's gonna to happen, right? Um, so while I can sit here saying that I fully believe and I'm confident that we can turn it around and that we can win our games and actually make it to playoffs, um, it, it's so hard to say for sure what's going to happen. Um, mm. The only thing I can say is that I know we can, um, but if it actually ends up happening, is you know it's so hard to say. I'm a, I'm a little different in that sense. <clears throat> I think it's really simple. I think um, if you're good at the basics, you're gonna win the game. It's that simple. I think that we've been skipping a lot of steps at the basics, and it's one of the reasons why we're struggling. Like I said, we don't get mid priority when we're supposed to. Uh, through other means than this champion is supposed to get it. When there is more depth to the game than I pick X champion and X champion pushes the wave for free, we don't actually get lane priority. For example, uh, this is what's been happening in all of our games, and I think that's a big issue. And I'm telling you that right now, if we fix these issues in the next week, we're going to make playoffs no matter what, because honestly, we're not a bad team. We know how to play League of Legends, and when we do get lane priority, we're not going to let the enemy team play the game. We're good at that. I know we are. I've seen us do it this year. I've seen us do it last year. We all know what we're doing. The problem is just that right now, that needs to be rehashed, relearned. We need to get into that and focus on it. It needs to be something we're great at. Not good, not okay, not sometimes, always. <laughs> and it's just something that I feel like I've been focusing really hard on because uh, right now I do feel like I have uh, the biggest voice in the team because I talk a lot. And uh, obviously when you're losing, not many people like talking, but I always talk, so I talk the most. <laughs> this is why I need... <laughs> that was like that six was the game. If we can just clip that 15 <laughs> seconds out as the promo trailer, yeah. I will always talk. I love talking. I talk the most. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. But because I do, I also have the biggest voice and people mm. will listen to whoever tells them stories of the great times, right? <laughs> Um, Back in my day in 2018. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying is is I'm just I'm just gonna be real and um I feel like I haven't been real enough with my team even in that sense. Like I've addressed it, but I haven't just been like, all right, why aren't we getting priority here? Is there any reason that you're not telling me? And if they tell me, yeah, this is the reason I'm gonna tell them, bad reason. <laughs> priority is more important. And I feel like that's just I feel like that kind of approach will be better for Fnatic um, in the long run. And I feel like, well, in the long run, in the short term right now, because I feel like we're just really bad at the basics. Like we're just awful at them. We're good at everything else. And when all the pieces fall together and you get to a certain stage of the game, we're still going to win it. We're going to look like we did last year. Very against against Spice, all the pieces looked and, and added up together. And we had that one hiccup in the team fight, but it's fine. I got you guys. <laughs> I'll I'll go one shot this guy real quick. <laughs> but uh, jokes aside, is is <laughs> it still looked like we were a decent team against Splice. Like we knew what to do. We were playing the game. Mm. We had a game plan and we executed. We got the plates. We got the turret. We did this. We did that. Blah blah blah. We were doing stuff, and when they were doing something, we hit them back. But for example, week one, 
I remember a self-made man showed up in my lane once, I died. He showed up twice, I didn't die. He showed up three times, I didn't die. We didn't do anything. We were just stuck. Because again, we didn't go through the, the steps. We didn't take the mid-priority and then go bop. We didn't do... And then when the moment is there and they do make a play, well, if you didn't go through the prior steps to set it up, you can't actually be in a position to punish. Mm. And that's why I feel like I need to stress this more, and I'm saying this for everyone because anyone that actually understands... Uh, the game will agree, right? And they know that this is our issue. Of course, no one, no one of the enemy teams will help us. But I don't feel like I'm saying anything <laughs> that, that 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 nobody knows. It's just a fact that you're gonna get all chatted the second you get in the game. <laughs> no, it's it's just, hey, don't forget your mid priority. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just. I mean, I'm like, it would be a good reminder, I think. But I feel like it's just a way of playing the game, and I feel like people are afraid of each other in the sense that hmm. no one on our team feels comfortable doing things for other people. Yeah. Well, and I think that's a really big problem. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I, I'm not even sure if, if Nemesis appreciates it if I rotate mid and, and, and I get a mid party, you know? Not even a yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I'm like, here. You know I'm not I mean? taxing it's, it's the just, wave. I'm just giving. You know what I mean? And I, I, I can't imagine that, that our, te our other teammates feel this, like don't feel the same way. It's just like it, it's like it needs to be natural, you know? Like when I yeah. come mid, it needs to be like, this is why I'm coming mid. Let's go do the, that or whatever. And, and the opposite as well. And, and it's just I'm missing that, you know? I'm missing that, that, that. Yeah, that feels like I feel like you know in solo queue if your jungler takes two minions you're like my jungler took two creeps what is he doing he's trolling me blah 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 but this is not the case in competitive you know I really don't care Brox comes to my lane takes three creeps four creeps five creeps you can have the wave Brox, eh? take it. You know, jungle. if it means that he's gonna take me and go do something that's what I want right I want to be a team I want to be doing things camp this man so he can be a <laughs> no, proud I mean, leader of the I mean, team and, and that's what I'm saying and I feel like that's the thing that we don't do enough and of course there's the, there's the, the game is not as simple as walk into a lane and take priority. Sometimes if you walk into a lane and take priority, the guy's going to beat you up for doing that. Yeah. But I think it can be that simple. I actually think sometimes it can be that simple. And I'm someone that's very simple, right? Like, honestly, I, I don't think the game is, is nearly as hard as people make it out to be sometimes, right? It's really not that hard. You know, oh, Kassadin's a bad pick here because Lissandra's better. Well, Kassadin's a really good pick if you get this priority or you do this. There's a requirement first. And I feel like this is what Fnatic is bad at, is when that requirement is there, we never meet it. When this requirement is there, this champion needs this to be good in this draft. We don't have the discipline nor, I, I don't know, maybe we didn't practice it enough or we just don't have that way of meeting the requirement to then play the champion and then execute on the champion. And I feel like that's difficult. It is. That is the difficult part of the game because it's specific to the champion. Every champion has their own requirement. And of course, there's champions that don't have any requirements and that's why they're OP. <laughs> but that doesn't mean you can't play the game in a different way. And why I want to stress that at the end of the day, when we pick a champion like Kassadin or we pick a champion like, I don't know, whatever you blame the draft on. I don't know what people blame the draft on because I don't care, but people do blame the draft all the time. <laughs> is look, we think we can meet that requirement and then to make the pick look good. But yeah. when we don't is when we realize that we didn't or the individual that decided to take the pick didn't. And I think that's what I want to stress is look, you can blame it all you want. And maybe, yeah, could have been different, but... Don't backtrack, you're strong. You're good. Stay strong. Exactly. Stay strong. You're good. <laughs> it's, you're good. It's, you're trying to be the best. Everyone's trying to be the best. And if you feel like the best in that situation is playing that champion and meeting that requirement and you know your team can do it. Even if you don't, you got to try again, in my opinion. There's no point in backing down now. There's no point in just being like, ah, it didn't work out. Well, whatever. That works when you're ahead of the curve. It really does. 
But when you're behind, you have to like when you're behind the curve, you got to realize that look, this is what I think is really going to win this game is if we get good at it. So get good at it and start playing. Damn. Don't just back up and be like, this is this is motivational speech. You're, you're whatever, I'm, ready, dude, I'm whatever. ready to go like cue like, up why, you know, And honestly, it's the same. It's the same with Rogue. You know, like Pantheon is their new Camille, and they're getting all that lane pressure and doing all that stuff with it. God bless. You know, I'm sure at some point someone's gonna ban it, and you're gonna like surprise Pikachu, right? But. <laughs> Oh gosh. We can ban they can ban Pantheon when we bl when they blindly sin. <laughs> but anyway, that's what I'm saying. It's like look, if it works, it works. And if it doesn't work, but you know it can, fix it. Like there's this like, I really hate this idea of just ah, I didn't work one game, you know. This is uh, this, this is like the up. most inspirational one trick speed out there. Like I don't care that you're playing fiddle mid every lane. <laughs> you look at me. You look at the requirements, and you understand what it takes, fiddle mid players. That's what it is. It's it's play your style was the first one, and now we have the Bwipo speech, which is meet the requirements. <laughs> no, but like that's just how it is. No, playing your style is meeting the requirements to yep. play your style. It's that yeah. simple. But people don't think about that because they make the game so much harder than it is. All like, right. honestly, does Cassidy need to hit level sixteen to fight people? Really? No, he really doesn't. You can fight people at level six. Oh, heck, I'll go fight people level one. <laughs> I'll go press Q on you level one. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? You know, like, that's just what it is. And, and I feel like just focus on that. Make it simple sometimes. Yeah. And, and, and just ah, the game is so much harder when you're like, oh, we need to hit levels. We need to do this or that. No, you don't. Some things you need to do. Some things you want to do. Like and distinguishing app. that is so <laughs> important in League of Legends. What you want to do isn't what you need to do. It's what you want to do. And what you need to do isn't what you want to do. It's just, it would be nice. This is... I love this man. All right. <laughs> and, and, and like, you let me know when you stop playing League of Legends. Because you can host or you can co-host this show. No, you I can mean, just I, make inspirational funny enough, speeches. Like, I, I'm, I'm, again, I love talking, right? So it's actually something I've Why always considered. Why don't you just become a caster? I know no, you don't. Like, oh, you can't just sell the man's career out like <laughs> no, this. No, no, no. I said when he's ready. No, but like, again, I'm, in, I'm actually like, I love talking. So it's obviously something I'll look into after my career. But nice. I'm focused God. on this now. And that's what I'm trying to get. Carlos isn't the only one who can poach baby. <laughs> we Sorry. may need to edit that. <laughs> but it's just, it's, you know, for me, it's, it's, it's just, it's that, you know, it's, what do you need to do? Go ahead and do it. And then you can play the game. Yeah. Um, gentlemen, this has been fantastic. I'm going to be Beautiful. honest. We had some small other pieces of content planned for the day, but we talked so much about Fnatic that we're going to, we're going to save them for a future episode. Did anyone ever really care about the other pieces of content? No, nah, I mean, this was Fnatic insane. Members. This was an insane amount of information about Fnatic. And it was actually really cool to have both you guys kind of having these different perspectives. Because I feel like when you guys were winning, everything was good. And every time I, because you guys were on the show quite frequently, we talked to you guys and you're like, everything is good. Bam. And you guys always had the same answers because you guys were always on the same page. So it's oh. it's interesting to hear this mixed dynamic, these kind of back and forth. Um, now, our final thing I do want to get to is Twitter questions. It is It includes worst play of the split, and 99% of them don't include Fnatic plays, which is great, so we can end on a positive here. We can, probably, we can make fun of some other people. And they haven't gotten to play a lot of League well, of I mean, Legends. Honestly, so. What would be the worst Fnatic play we've made so far? People other, would, other, other than other locking than in the, a champion. the buzzword that you keep bringing <laughs> other lock, than locking in a champion. Okay, fine. <laughs> I, I no. think the problem is almost we've made too little plays. Too little, right? So it's hard to pick one. They can't criticize if you never do anything. Yeah, exactly. Stay yeah. in the fountain. <laughs> exactly. There you go. All right. Well, first up, uh, at fan page caps, fans of caps, uh, send a bunch of plays in and like timestamps. So fans just, of caps. I. It's. 
That's, I just wanted to pull this one because I said what is bonus the BM points. There, it's fanatic. Well, I'm not BMing anyone. This is his name. This is what they want to be repped as on Twitter. He got like 50 questions, and that's what he pulls on I your guys' episode. Three plays Fine. and timestamps. That kind of effort deserves to be rewarded, and a lot of the plays are redundant, unsurprisingly. So, uh, <laughs> classic one from last week is Perks dying overextended mid lane as Sivir just running straight up mid while he's getting flanked. And you mean when he turned all, around and walked forward? All, yeah. That yeah. What, about, what about the one where uh, he walked up bot lane? Started pushing and got one shot and lost Ooh. the game. Ooh. I mean, again, don't get me wrong. I'm sure he'll get me back uh, with a with a timestamp of a play where I lost the game. But I'm ready. <laughs> Probably solo bot walking forward, <laughs> one shot. There oh. were some GP games I remember last year where it was. Oh, a last year. I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean, I think that's actually an interesting point. Is I feel like honestly, uh, I'm really self aware in that sense. I know when I messed up. Like I know. Like you can you tell me, you know, and I'll look at it and I'll be like, I'll think about it again, you know, and be like, did I actually mess up here? And like, oh yeah, it looks like it. Okay, fair enough. Now I know again, you know, like <laughs> I already knew, but you reminded me. Thanks. Like now I won't make that mistake again because honestly, I feel like a lot of mistakes people make, they've already made before, but they don't remember. So when they make it again, it's like a reminder. So if someone does that job for me and just tells me, oh, you remember when you entered here? Well, well, Actually, this nice. I won't seg- do that next time. This segues nicely into our second play and my personal <coughs> favorite play. Uh, and this person probably doesn't need a reminder oh, at this point, but it is hilarious. That's a good Joseph one. Joseph Dodig at Darth Dodig. I, if that's not how you pronounce your name, once again, I apologize. Uh, <laughs> I probably butchered it. The gorilla special two for one on Tom Kent versus Shalka. <laughs> yeah. So uh, in case you forgot, gorilla, not a great play. I have a hard time imagining that he's made that mistake before, though. That seems like a very unique one-off mistake. I mean, I feel like that's also just pressure. Like, pressure is something that I feel like you don't really chalk up that much to, to what's happening on stage, but it's a really big factor, I think. For example, I think one of the reasons why we look a lot better, looked a lot better last year is because a lot of people felt pressure. You know, you wouldn't just gank a fanatic lane because you would feel like, if we do, what if he's there? Yeah. And then the game's over. That's, I imagine, how a lot of teams felt, right? And I feel like this year was very much the opposite. I feel like Selfmade came in, for example, and I feel like, honestly, the, the first two games he played, the gangs that he did were really sketchy. Like, Brox was topside. He could have been behind me. The enemy top laner was not in a position to 2v2 by any means, but he just went for it. And at that point, it's a gamble. But jungling is very much about gambling, right? And he won the gamble, so he got away with it and, and, and got a really big lead off that and obviously makes my jungler unhappy, but... <laughs> We talked about it, you know, no more feeding at level four. <laughs> I won't die at level four, Broxa. And now you know he's there every game at level four. <laughs> no, 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 but like, that's, that's what I'm saying, you know, and I feel like that kind of hidden pressure is not something you see, and I'm going to bring up a game um, that I remember where this was punished heavily, and that after that, it never happened. C9 versus Fnatic, World Semifinals, game one, Xin Zhao ganks me. He gets counter-ganked and ends up walking into my turret and dies. Everyone probably still remembers that one. And after that, he was top quite often, actually. If you look at the replay, I saw him two or three times on a ward topside, but did he ever actually commit to the gank after that? No. Because it's that pressure of... Because he was scarred. Yeah, exactly, it's that <laughs> pressure of... Like, that's, actually why, thinking that's why about you devour it. the... You're so convinced the blitz is going to hit the hook, Not thinking about it is a better thing. And you're just like, whatever. You know, If he's there and then he's there, he's too good. And if he's not, I win the game or like, I get an advantage. And I feel like that's kind of how self-made's been playing and it's been working out for him, right? It's just like, if he's there, then it might not be a great situation, but it'll be fine. Maybe you burn your flash or something, but if he's not there, you're getting a big plus. Which is what I attribute most of his success to, is when he plays the gamble, the downside is maybe not the greatest, but it's fine. Whereas the upside is almost always very positive. 
I think self-made, uh, especially watching SK Gaming, because I was going to do a big teleshooter segment in your guys' game, actually, but it got cut. Um, you're welcome. <laughs> he uh, is so good at pinging out where you guys are on the map at every single time. I actually just watch all SK Gaming mm -hmm. games the first 10 minutes, just looking at the mini-map. I advise all of the fans to do so at home, because the tracking that he does so he's gambling because he doesn't do it with perfect information but he is very good at card yeah, counting yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but that's what i'm saying like it's, it's calculated it's a calculated yeah. guess which is good all right this has been uh our episode it's been a lot thank you Bwipo, for talking as much as you did <laughs> this was i did feel like a little bit of the Bwipo show but this was awesome because the insight was incredibly good uh and broxy you also had a lot to say um, and so it was just really good to get this kind of this look into Fnatic and also the look about how you guys are looking at the game. Um, for your sake, I hope you can meet those requirements and find some of those wins. Right now, it looks like six more wins to get to playoffs. I think 9-9, nine, nine, no one's ever uh, missed playoffs at a 9-9 nine, nine score in this format. So that feels like the minimum at this stage. A lot of pressure, but looking forward to it. G2 versus Schalke is our match of the week this week, folks. If you want to turn in, you can also see how Fnatic do up against their opponents in both their matches. Cautiously optimistic for a 2-0 from Whippo. He says, Broxa, just we'll see where it goes. But that's what I like. We're going to find out. We're going to see if Fnatic can rise back up or if the split will continue to be a difficult one. Uh, until then, this has been episode six? Episode six, mid-priority with Whippo and Broxa. Uh, episode six, <laughs> mid-priority with Whippo and Broxa. Season five. All right, All right we'll see you guys later. Grace. <laughs>